0: Good morning, church, and um, greetings to you all in the precious name of our Lord and um, Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, how many of us really enjoyed the, the time of remembrance today? Yeah, it's, It was so beautifully weaved in you know, different aspects of who God is and different aspects about how we are saved, how we are redeemed. Um, and you know, every time um, when we come before and we remember him, the flavor and the beauty of the gospel just comes in, right? It's never repeated week after week. It's different. And we we remember how great a salvation that we enjoy. You know, today we would be looking uh, from Luke chapter 6, 37 to 49. And then these same passages are also seen in Matthew chapter 7. uh, 7, 1 to 5, 15 to 20, and 24 to 27. Sean, thank you for reading the... um, the passage out from the ESV. You know, as we look into this passage, let's pray that, uh, that we would self-examine our lives more intricately, okay? You know, we are so good in examining other people's lives, right? We love that. We love that, no? We want to intricately understand what is others doing. You know, like the place that I come from, everybody looks at what's happening in the other paramb you know? Right? Isn't that true? What's happening behind the other walls? It might be a couple of acres, but still you know what's happening in the other home. You know, let's switch on our internal advocate and switch off our external advocacy ministry. You know, we've, sometimes you're so good on our external advocacy ministry, right? It's a ministry. Yeah, no, it is not ministry at all. Okay, because we will look into the passages as we, as we look into it, right? And last week, Joby took us through the passage about Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? There were multiple things mentioned in Luke chapter 6. You know, um, Joby focused about the Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus also teaches the Beatitudes in that. Jesus also teaches to love your enemies, love your enemies, you know, to bless those who persecute you. But today we will be looking at a couple of principles that Jesus taught. Now, in today's passage, we've got a couple of illustrations also known as parables. Jesus spoke in parables also. We will not be focusing on the parables. We will open it up for the cell groups to probably look into those parables and understand the principles that Jesus is trying to drive from it. But we will look at the four simple principles and how Jesus uses those principles in the parables that he has spoken. Now, I'll give a little a small illustration how many of you like going to the vegetable market now there is swiggy and yeah all the genies are there to deliver stuff but how many of you enjoy the local markets yeah few hands yeah okay maybe the sisters would like to go and like to look at look at the the tomatoes and the onions right and sometimes you see these fruits that is being sold right and we have some interesting ways of assessing how a good fruit is right let's take um, what is some of the 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 seasonal fruit that's right now apple right yeah from Himachal, you see a lot of apples coming down and we take this apple and we toss it up we look at it we put it in the sun we see if it has got any defects Um, you know there's some fruits that people actually kind of scratch it a bit and smell lemons oranges right Uh, various other things you know, my dad, I keep on telling him, don't do it. But he's, he's, he feels that he's a vegetable expert. So we'll go into the vegetable shop and he'll crack the top of the lady's finger. Many of us are guilty in this, right? And we slowly keep it at the bottom. And my dad had another thing of, he. you know, there's a thing called the long beans. In Kerala, in, in it's known as payara, pyra. And, you know, he takes it and he waves it around to see how flexible it is. And, you know, because he's trying to assess the freshness of it. And we do these strange things. We do these strange things to assess what is the fruit and the vegetable. Fresh and good. Outside it looks super, but inside you never know. Now, what about we as men? Example, if Justin is going to buy a car, okay, or a bike. We go around the car, we go around it 20 times. You know, we have some of our brothers who brought vehicles, you know. And then we kick the tire a bit to check the air pressure, right? We put the wipers on, we put the indicators on, and we take it for a spin. Right, Ronnie? And on that spin, we'll check the horn. We'll just to show that we're good, and we'll do like how, um, you know, many of these Formula One guys would do. You know, you move it around a bit, and then you brake it, and then you decide the car is good, man. Car is good, right? Oh, actually, I had a... You know, I struggle to balance all of this together, to be honest. Um, Philip, I think the... Uh, ah, there you go. Yeah. And then what do, you, what do you tell? Sometimes we go as consultants for others. And then he says, buy it. Buy it. We have no clue. None of us are engine mechanics or people who understand the workings of the car. And he says, Super. Go for it. Some of us have got great stories. Some of us have got very difficult stories. We have no clue how, how this car is. External looks brilliant. Now, you know, in this background of this passage, why I'm t- I give this illustration is for us to just keep this in mind, okay? The background of this passage is that Jesus encounters the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You know, he heals on the, which day? sabbath day because he saw need not because he wanted to rebel he saw a need and he addresses the need he teaches that he's the lord of the sabbath you know all night he prays and he chooses the 12 disciples this is all mentioned in luke 6 you know people from judea jerusalem tyre and sidon start to hear and follow him he teaches them heals the diseases and evil spirits are cast out he teaches his disciples and they hear us the be attitudes he addresses the matter of turning to Jesus, a call to repent. He addresses the issues of the people who are listening, his disciples, his Pharisees, His teachers, and the hearers. Principles that will help examine one's life. You know, through Jesus' teaching, he exposes pride, selfishness, and self righteousness. You know, when people spoke to Jesus, right? He was unlike any other teacher. He was unlike any other teacher. You know, when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked him questions, when the disciples asked him consultation on various matters, Jesus spoke with authority. He was able to drill down deep into the very issues of one's heart. You know, even today with the help of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, you know, Jesus opens us bare, right? He sees through our motives, our deepest emotions, our prayers and our impulses and the very things that governs our life and the decisions we make. You know, at the same time, he's just a great physician, such a great physician. He does not just leave us like many of the hospitals. If they are not qualified, they just sometimes you go for a surgery, they might just mess you up. But Jesus is not like that. He does not break us or leave us there at the table. But as a good doctor, he wants us to be pieced back together one by one. He wants us to address the rotten, cancerous portions of our life and he replaces that with life-giving spiritual cells that can heal us wholly from within. You know, if any one of us is looking for a band-aid solution today or from this series or from Luke 6, it's not going to work. The band-aid will fall off and it'll expose the wound that you have. You know, Paul mentions, I love this verse that Paul writes in Romans 7 verse 24. He says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul is writing this. Wretched man that I am. Brothers and sisters, as we go into the passage, I, request, I sincerely request us all to humble ourselves, willing to be broken today. When we are exposed, we will experience what it is from God with tenderness, mercy, and care by the Lord Jesus to be pieced back together. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And so does any one of you sitting here who do not know who Jesus is. You know, let us strive towards righteous living by self-examining our lives. Let's look at today's passage. You know, we will look into Luke 6:37 to 42 first. You know, the first few lines is what we're going to take today. It says judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. One request I have is: anybody feeling sleepy? No, if, you know that's so great to have a you know a buzzing uh, church. Yeah, that's great. Anybody feeling sleepy? Just nudge the person. You know. And if it happens a second time, again a second nudge, okay. Third time, just ask the person to go wash You know, I'm just saying that we are sitting before the Word of God. I know sometimes it could get a little bit intense, but don't give up on the person next to you. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in this portion, Jesus gives. Um, in this portion, Jesus gives four commands. Just four commands that he and through these commands he brings out the illustrations, he brings out these principles through these parables. We'll look at it later. Two commands of prohibition. Prohibition is what you should not be doing this. What are those two commands of prohibition? Judge not and condemn not. Judge not and condemn not. And then he gives two positive commands that is, forgive and give. You know, if you don't take anything from today's sermon, let this resonate. This is the basis of what we're going to hear. Commands of uh, prohibitions, the two of them, judge not and condemn not. You know, Jesus says that judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. And there's an overlap in these two positive commands. What is judgment? What is judgment? Judgment. It refers to finding fault in others, right? Bringing in accusations, a verdict that someone or this or that person is guilty. That's judgment, right? But what is condemnation then? Condemnation tops it up. It says that it refers to a complete disapproval publicly in reference to some person's behavior or attitude. Now, brothers just looking at this scripture, is there a warning to these two commands? If you judge, what happens? Yeah, if you, if you judge, you will be judged as well. We normally forget, we put Jesus, you know, the great high priest, the great judge. But when we are judging others, please understand that we will be judged as well. If you condemn someone, you will be condemned as well. You know, Jesus is implying that if you and me do not cease in judging and condemning others, including our church members, Our workmates, you know, our spouses. It's like a boomerang. It's like an Aussie boomerang that goes. You think it's hitting thing, but it comes back right at you. What is verse 38 says? For the measure you will use it, it will be measured back to you. Brunson says, if you have a judgmental attitude and a condemning spirit, we will be judged and condemned in the same manner. But at the same time, Jesus, when he prohibits judgment and condemnation, he is not, I just want to make it clear, he is not telling us to not stand for the truth. He is not telling to live our lives the way we please against biblical principles and biblical morality. He is not telling us not to have an opinion of right and wrong. He's not promoting liberality or rampant individualism, right? Many of us, even when I was young, you know what, well, just leave me alone. You know, I know exactly what to do. Don't judge me. I know myself so well that I'm able to take my life forward. That happens within us, right? Maybe, maybe many of you, you know, younger ones might think, you know what, I'm in control. I'm in control. You know, Jesus is not implying prohibiting all types of judgment and condemnation. In fact, he's not saying that you cannot correct or rebuke or admonish someone with grace and mercy. or, against, or He's not saying against biblical church discipline or even exercise discernment. Let's look at a few portions from scripture where, uh, where judgment and condemnation is mentioned. You know, Acts 5 verses 1 to 11, when Peter addresses the sin of Ananias and Sapphira, right? And we quote this, right? We quote this a lot. We like to study this a bit. But this is a place where judgment happened instantly, brothers and sisters. Matthew 23 verses 27 to 28. Jesus talks about the seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. And he calls them what? You whitewashed tombs. Outwardly you appear beautiful, but within you are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Galatians 2. You know, when Peter came to Antioch, uh, Paul writes that I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was wrong. You know, in fact, Peter was teaching about circumcision. And Paul is saying that, you know what, you cannot teach that to Gentiles. That's not what scripture states. Acts chapter 8 talks about Simon the sorcerer, the false teacher, was rebuked by Peter. You know, Jesus calls out sin the way it is. So should we. And we do it with grace. We do it with mercy. We do it in a way that we want to restore a person. So the first two commands, commands of prohibition are, judge not and condemn not. And Jesus beautifully places an illustration, a parable over here about the speck and the log. You know, if, if some of you have gone to uh, homes in the villages, you will see that um, many of the beams are made out of solid wood, right? But there would be a center beam that holds the entire house together. Keep that beam in mind. If that beam is rotten, then is there any point to fix any other small things in the house? No, the house will come crashing down, right? Right? So this is where in the parable of the speck and the log, you know, Jesus condemns hypocritical judgment. Philip, the next slide. know this is something Jesus, so it's not only judging now. It's not only judgment and condemnation. Jesus is taking one note saying that, are there hypocrites among you that are judging people? You know, many times it happens to us, right? We, we, ha- we know that we need to address the beam in our life, right? But I see the speck in Edwin's life. I see the speck in Raven's life. I see the speck in Starlet's uh, life. And I forget to address the very same beam that's holding my life and your life. Many times when you hear and see people who live a lifestyle that is not biblical and who have fallen probably, you know, we judge them. Right? Isn't that true? We judge them based on their lifestyle, their appearance, the sin they committed, their fashion, their habits, their lack of understanding of Scripture, and the words they say. And I still remember when, um, in a church sometime back, the speaker just delivered a brilliant message. But later on, when I was hearing, you know, just the reviews, you know, that person had a ring, and everybody could see his what the see his what the, could ring. People couldn't focus on the message. The ring was going, the person is just speaking. But everybody is seeing it like, you know, all that he's doing, the ring is going here and there. And the message was completely forgotten. You know, I'm just saying, probably this is something that we have to be careful about ourselves. You know, I'm personally guilty of this. That's why preparing for this message was not easy for me, brothers and sisters. Because it was highlighting my very own sin. When Jesus talks about hypocritical judgment, it's like, I'll give you another exa- um, uh, example. It's like you wag your finger towards someone, okay? Yeah. Who has fallen in our standards and probably they are living in a life of sin. And you condemn them. But if me and you, each one of us, or some of us are involved with anything that involves the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life, then Jesus calls us a hypocrite. Did you get that? I'm wagging my finger against someone. Let it be. I'm, I'm just, you know, hom- homosexuality is sin. Okay? It, and we as a church do not support it. We, we encourage people to come out of it. But if I wag and judge that person, but if I'm involved in anything that involves the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, I am a hypocrite. Jesus is trying to teach this to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and even to his own disciples. You know, Paul addresses the Jews in Romans 2 verses 1 to 3. This is very interesting. Huh? I'm just going to read it out. Um, it says, this is when the Jews were judging the Gentiles. Okay? Therefore, I don't think it is here. You will get it in the notes later on. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Everyone of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Now, Brunson is a hard-hearted, critical, judgmental, and a condemning attitude. You know, when we are doing the same kind of activity, God is calling us very clearly. You're not only judging, but you're a hypocrite. And I wonder how God would look at each one of us and ways here, right? Isn't that true? And God says, you know, you're not only judged, but you are it's just being a whitewash tomb. Church, look into our hearts. Look into our lives. You know, we are all of different ages, right? Look into the ways that we've grown up. And I speak this with um, with, uh, with heaviness in my heart. You know, how do we treat and consider those who are not like us? Who do not live the way we expect them to live? You know, Jesus warns CBF members, including all of us who are in ministry. And we have many of our dear ones who are who are learning theology, right? Many of our students are here. And as we learn, and as we learn, you know, we need to guard ourselves from being hypocrites. Many of us who are teachers, teaching in our cell groups, many of us who stand here and speak, many of us who do discipleship, do not be hypocrites. Not to judge as a hypocrite. Not to have a self-righteous attitude and posture like Pharisees and teachers of the law. Jesus warns the heart's To have no that have no compassion, having no grace and mercy. Please understand, brothers, we are not called to be fruit inspectors. We have no approval from heaven to be fruit inspectors. You know, in order to drive home some of these points, I'm just going to ask a few questions that personally for me was tough to answer. Let me ask you you know, are we guilty of these sins that Jesus calls out? Do we judge? Do we condemn? Are you and me easily annoyed or angered by others? You know, between spouses, right? How much, you know, this is just for the the married folks. How much we give up on our spouses, right? How much, you know, you can switch from love and switch off the next day as if saying, I don't know you. Third day, romance buds again. For the reconciliation happens, switch off on the fifth day. You know, are we easily annoyed or angered by others? Let it be between husbands and wives, workmates and neighbors, you know. Sometimes when I, you know, when the Lord has given me an opportunity to just see ministries across, you know, I come across sometimes evangelists, you know, they're evangelizing, but they have no peace with their neighbors. No peace with their neighbors. And I know some dear ones who have a heart for the Muslim community, the Crescent community. They have a heart for the northeastern part of India. But there is no love in them. They want to prove that they are wrong. We can't have the spirit. We can't ha- take the gospel out with a with heart of hatred, brothers and sisters. I think it might resonate across people that you come across, Right? You know, I know someone who's very dear to my heart. Meaning, he loves to travel and, and evangelize. But the moment you sit with him, my brothers and sisters, it is toxic. It's toxic where you just want to get out. I'll tell you, I've experienced spirits of spirit of darkness sitting in the midst of an evangelist. Why? Because we're hypocritical, judging and are condemning. Uh, you know, if we are not following as per the word of God, the log is rotting, but we're inspecting everybody else's specs. You know, are we fault finders, men and women who slander and gossip and prey on others? Are you angered on others' sins and how it affects you and your reputation and your ministry? Are you a person quick to forgive others for the wrongdoing? You do, but quick to point out the fault in others. In the moment that we do something wrong, our internal lawyer, right, starts to work. Paperworks moves really fast, really fast. You know, internal. You know, the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is like watching. What are you doing? But our internal lawyer works so fast. In a matter of two, three minutes, no judgment passed. But I see Philip. My internal lawyer works extra hard to make the paperwork so difficult to forgive Philip. Does this happen to us? It does, right? It does. You know, do we have patience with people who are weak, who are sick, who are blind, who are captives, oppressed by the and, opre- and and oppressed, or do they get in your way? You know, let me ask you, brothers and sisters. When people see each one of us, and people are watching. You know, in fact, when you look at Joseph's life, right? You see the level of respect the Egyptians had because they were watching him. They were watching him. They were, wo- in fact, even when his brothers came, you see the entire thing. They were watching Joseph. In detail. Now, do people see us as a gracious and a compassionate and a restoring person? Or do people see us as critical, judgmental, condemning, using, using hard words and sarcasm? I am guilty of this. And I am asking the Lord to help me through it. So I am just being honest. Brothers and sisters, if you and me have answered a yes to any of these questions, let's turn to Jesus' warning. And prayerfully heed the same. Jesus warns that if this is our character, we will be judged by God. The same measure. Hence, for our sake and for our spiritual well-being, let us not judge or condemn. Let's look at the next two positive. uh, You know, after this, Jesus teaches two positive commands. Which were the two commands of uh, prohibition? Judge not and condemn not. Okay. And now Jesus moves to the positive commands. Is forgive. Okay. Forgive and you will be forgiven. You know, t- you know, in the first two commands, there was an overlap. In these two commands, there is no overlap. It's a very clear definition of what it is. To forgive someone means that, that someone has hurt you. Could be a spouse, a parent, a church member, a relative, a sibling, a worker, a college mate, a neighbor, a friend. Or probably older parents over here. Maybe your very own children. Need to forgive someone means that you will be gracious to the offender. And that you will absorb the impact and treat them in the way that Christ would. And that could lead you to an opportunity of reconciliation. Ephesians 4.31-32 says. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away. Along with malice. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you colossians 3 verse 13 says forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you must forgive you know i just want to bring this point that forgiveness is not about self-worth sometimes i forgive ld okay LD, just an example we don't have any issues but i'm just saying i forgive ld and suddenly what do i feel How could you forgive L.D.? (laughs) You know, we feel a sense of self-worth, right? Isn't that true? You know, I have forgiven the person, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not bitter with myself or I'm not bitter with um, L.D. Forgiveness involves a transaction. Forgiveness involves forgive and you will be forgiven. What is a return transaction? Forgive, Stanley, and you will be? forgiven there is a transaction involved over there and 1 John 1 verse 9 says that if we claim we have no sin we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth but if we confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness brothers and sisters if we do not confess and repent about our unforgiving hearts irrespective of how peaceful that we are presenting ourselves to others God will not forgive your sins. That's painful, right? That's like an ouch moment. Repentance and forgiveness goes hand in hand. If someone has sinned against you, but they have truly repented, God wants you and me to forgive them, and God sees your heart. Never withhold forgiveness to those who have repented. Never withhold. If we hold grudges and bitterness... Like, you know, I'm saying we've all grown up in different, we've seen various things. But sometimes we hold these grudges and bitterness, even to probably our parents, or even those who know the Lord, who do not know the Lord, or even to many of our dear ones over here. You know, we store these feelings in our heart. And what's happening to that beam that holds a house? Rot is coming in. You know, your forgiving nature and attitude towards others can become a clear demonstration of the love of God, the gospel in itself. Francis says, "You know, to drive these principles, they're very simple principles, oh? but it shakes, shakes, shakes your core." I'm just going to ask a few questions: Are you and me a forgiving person? Do you have a hard time forgiving others who have wronged you, or even asking forgiveness from others? dwell in the sins and wrong. God who has been generously being forgiven have you given up hope that there cannot be any reconciliation I just want to ask this question to all of us have you given up hope there cannot be any more reconciliation in this relationship does your heart have a limit of tolerance or you count how many times people have hurt you we love our math right Love math. I'm going to ask this question to all of us because you know we are all again of different ages. Do you have relationships that sour over time? Because there is no reconciliation or forgiveness. So you move on instead of building it back and you give up on the relationship you have built over years. You know, I have a relationship with Nit and Philip and through time it sars. So I kind of move Nathan away with a swipe and I am John Vergas' new friend. When John Vergas confronts me of a sin, and I move on to Lisa as my new friend. We have such relationships, right? We have those relationships. If your spirit and heart is judgmental and condemning, there's a high tendency, brothers and sisters, that we are an unforgiving person. I'll just repeat that. If your heart and my... Our hearts and spirits is judgmental and condemning. There's a high tendency that we are an unforgiving group of people. The root is the same. Our sinful heart condition in spite of knowing the truth. Can we teach ourselves? Can we pray to forgive as Christ forgave us with tender and tendon? Let's move on to the next slide. The next command that Jesus gives, the positive commands. First we looked at forgive and now we're going to look at give. Shaken, running over, and will be put into your lap. You know, normally we hear this on what? You know, we put um, um, the offering bag is not there, but you do a transfer, and you are expecting what? Jubin, double. Isn't it true? You know, I've given to the Lord my tithe. Oh, I just feel so righteous. I feel so good. I've supported this missionary that is there in Trinidad and Tobago. You know what? I'm I'm just I'm just so happy, and I expect. My appraisals to work? Well, (laughs) because I've done my part. Right, Maman? Sometimes it happens, right? We have expectations out of God. Well, you can look at it in a different way, but today's passage, I just want to go into these four simple principles. Judge not, condemn not, forgive and give. Jesus is teaching us to be generous even in our emotions of not judging, to forgive and also not to condemn. You know, this portion is normally used by the prosperity preachers, right? And they, and they pray, you know, I've, I've also seen, you know, sometimes just to observe, you know, they put all these letters and they will say that, you know, we're going to pray for all these requests and tomorrow everything is taken care of, right? That happens, right? That's not what Jesus is teaching. That's not what Jesus is teaching. You know, if we are doing that, it in fact activates greed, Scripture does not promise that if you give more of your resources, God will bless you more. Jesus is not a jackpot. Okay, Jesus is not your appraisal format. He's, you know, he's way beyond that, right? You know, if you look at Luke 6 verses 38, it's 8a says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Now, what is this good measure that Jesus is talking about? Again, let's go to the markets, Okay. We've looked at fruits, we've looked at vegetables. Let's go to the grain section. Okay? And the grain section, the merchant sits there with his huge sacks of grains. You know, we would encourage us all to go to the markets, huh? Uh, you know, it's it's quite an, you know, God can actually teach us a lot. They're huge sacks and you can take those grains and you'll see the grains going through the uh, you know, through the, uh, the the cracks of your fingers. You get it here, you get to smell each grain and all of that. Okay? So the merchant sits there and he's got a good measure. Normally these good measures are made out of copper, so it holds firm. Now you have to inspect if there is any stone in it or any additional weight to make sure that's a fair measure. And uh, John Burgess, if I'm the merchant, John, can I be the merchant? John is a customer and John says, Benji, I want 100 or two, 2 kilos of grain. So I'll take the good measure, put it all in, and I'll shake it a bit, again tap it down. And I'll again... So John is watching me. John is watching me. Again, I put another measure. Make sure all the air pockets are gone so it's tight and compressed. And I would put again, and John is like, whoa, I'm getting more. And I put it again, again compress it, one more shake. I make a little hole in the top, put some more grain, and it's nice and round. And then uh, if, if John was wearing a kurta like me, I would say, put up the kurta, and you put it onto your lap. And the people... Those days, there was no plastic bags, Right. And even in some parts of our land, there's no plastic bags. But what becomes a bag? The, yeah, the kurta. You're right, yeah. And you carry the grain back home. That is the explanation of the measure. It's a fair, accurate measure for what you have. John has paid me. And he has received it right. And he feels fine. He feels justified. He goes home a happy man. Brothers and sisters, keep this in mind. If we judge, if we condemn, And if you do not forgive, you will receive the same measure from God. Jesus is calling out that if we are judgmental and condemning and unforgiving to people in our lives, we will receive the fair share of what we give. That's another ouch moment. It's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt us. You will be repaid according to God's holy and just measure and his divine judgment for what we have painfully given to others. In a few minutes we will close. You know to forgive and give there's a cost. To judge and to condemn there is no cost from our side. The cost is borne by others because we freely judge, we freely condemn. But to give and to forgive involves a cost and that's what disciples of Christ should be called, should be known for because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Now, just a few principles. Next slide, Philip. Is, you know, just looking at these illustrations that Jesus gave, right? You can, we can interpret this uh, differently. Please use that time during your cell groups. You know, we hope all of you are attending cell groups. It's a great way for us as a community to learn scripture together. Even what is not spoken on Sunday, you will also discover it there. Okay? So, blind leading the blind. You know, Jesus told them a parable, you know. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man, will they both not fall into a pit? And then he says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, looking at these simple principles, we learned about the four commands, right? Just pulling threads from those four commands, what Jesus is saying, if you're judgmental, critical, condemning, stubborn-hearted, and if you're not merciful, gracious, and forgiving, you're equivalent to someone who's blind, The danger is that sin has not only blinded the person and that he's heading into a pit, he's also taking someone else with him. And it says that both will be destroyed. Who was Jesus talking? He was talking to this, to the Pharisees, the teachers and the scribes, right? And they were blinded by what? Deceit. They're blinded by traditions. They were blinded by everything that the the law, you know, the law was clear, but they wanted to have their their own, you know, uh, impositions over it. You know, these were the people who were supposed to lead Israel to Yahweh, but they themselves were blinded. Jesus is teaching his disciples not to be like the Pharisees, but to be like whom? To be like him. He was the way, he is the way, the truth and the life, the one who makes the captives free and the blind to see. Now, Branson says, guard ourselves from falling into this trap, but also guard from following teachers. Just hear this clearly. Okay, um, um, just check onto your left and right if everybody's awake. Yep. Thank you. We work together as a team. Yeah. Um, So guard ourselves from falling into this trap, but also guard ourselves from from such teachers who are judgmental, condemning, critical, and unforgiving. Because you know what will happen if you are led by a blind. Where will you uh, end up? As Scripture says, in the in the pit. You know, I just want to bring these statements out, uh, even for my own sake. Angry and judgmental and critical parents will make angry, judgmental, and critical children. We've all experienced this. Angry and judgmental, critical, te- critical teachers of the word, theological colleges, and missions will make angry, judgmental, and critical students, disciples, and missionaries angry and judgment and critical elders and pastors and members of this church will make an angry judgment and critical congregation. Isn't that true? What characterizes us? What characterizes our homes, our lives, CBF as a church and our personal relationships with anyone? You know, Jesus says in John 14 verses 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The next one that we will look is into the parable of the tree and its fruit. And it says, you know, we can read the full parable in your cell group, but I just want to look at this point. It says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. Because the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces produces evil for out of the abundance of this heart the mouth speaks now, Jesus is not calling us to be fruit inspectors in other people's lives now, Jesus is calling us to examine the fruit in our very own lives our fruit will be determined by what we treasure You know what fruit do you and me bear internally when we introspect us what fruit do we really bear What kind of fruit do you see yourself wanting to bear? Keeping these principles in mind, just a few questions. If you're judgmental, condemning, unforgiving and critical, you will only bear sour and bitter fruits in your life and will affect others the same way. If you're compassionate, mercy, kind and forgiving, you will bear reconciling and restoring fruits in your life and in your relationships. I would encourage us all to do that. Maybe the people that we have issues with, probably they have passed away. Probably the people that we have issues with are right here, or maybe it could be your parents, or probably even your sibling, or could be a nephew or a niece, or could even be your workmates. Do we bear sour fruits? And we call it a fruit? Do we bear bitter fruits? Or do we bear reconciling and restoring fruits? That's what disciples of Christ are called to bear. you know, one of the ways that we can treasure Jesus and his word, it says, delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, to overcoming, you know, the solution to overcoming sin is treasuring the Lord Jesus Christ above all else. And yes, he, through his strength, will allow you to bear good fruits for eternity. Well, this is for all of us who know the Lord Jesus, right? But what about those of us who are sitting here who do not know who Jesus is? You know, the Bible says that we are all evil, you know, because we do not treasure what is ultimately good. Who is ultimately good? Jesus himself has taught. God, yeah. God is good. But we as hum- humans, we treasure evil. And since we do not treasure God and rebel against him, he punishes, he can punish us much more for our sin. You know, the biblical punishment for sin is the wages of sin is Death. But although we do not treasure God, he treasures us. And that's what we heard today right throughout the morning. You know, those of our dear ones sitting here who is yet, who are seeking, who want to know, who want to renew your relationship with the Lord. It says, you know, verse John 3, verse 16 to 18. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, the fruit is eternity over there. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now Jesus treasured you and me, that he died in our place and God raised him from the dead, giving everyone the opportunity of the true treasure. That's everlasting life. If any one of you do not know Jesus, you know, even you can inspect the beam that is in your house. You can inspect, in fact, the fruit. What kind of fruit are you bearing? You can even inspect, ins- inspect based on the other par- uh, parables. You know, if you turn from your sin and treasure Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will be saved. Your fruit will prove it. Looking at the last parable, solid foundation. Again, take this into your cell group and you can discuss further. You know, even in this Luke 6, in the Beatitudes, right out of that, there's a portion that says, love your enemies. All right you Now, Jesus appeals and calls out to love one's, one's enemies to be merciful, not be judgmental or condemning, forgiving and not giving, but to treasure the good things in your heart and to bear fruit. You know, Jesus calls us to a call of obedience, you know, we need to self-examine our life as a church, even as individuals, in comparison to anybody else's life. Can we do that? Can we try? Internally let our advocate work within ourselves to point out those areas of rot that we have. You know, we may, want, we may say we want to obey Jesus, but if we never examine our lives, we may never know if we are actually obeying Jesus the fruit and the testing, even in the solid foundation, when the, when the waves and the things came and hit, what happened to the foundation? It crashed. And guess what? When it crashed, you know, it was unbelievable. It says the ruins was great, right? The last portions, of the ruin was great. You know What foundation do you think your life is built on, brothers and sisters? Is your foundation firm or is it unsure? How you will stand when you are tested? Through life's journeys has traditions, practices, self-righteousness and various unforgiving sins affected your spiritual foundation. If there's bitterness, even as I speak in your heart, then there's an issue with the foundation. There's an issue with the foundation. If you're judgmental, condemning, unforgiving, hard-hearted and critical, as Jesus taught, it's time to reassess your spiritual foundation issues of your heart. You know, Jesus was being so gracious even to the Pharisees and the teachers when he was teaching. You know, yet he had to be firm with them because he also wanted them probably to even repent from their sins. You know, 1 Corinthians 11 verses 30 and 31 says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. You know, when we when we um, partake from the table, we read a portion that says, those who are believers must examine themselves and their walk before partaking of the emblems. This is not a green signal towards heaven. This is not a green signal for, you know, partaking from the Lord's table and the wine is not a green signal that, you know, I feel good about it. I've done my portion for the Lord. And it says that if you're doing that, if you're not addressing the issues of your heart, even when you're sitting before the Lord, then you are equivalent to being weak and ill and some have died. Spiritual death has already occurred. But if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. As we close, flip the next slide. Yeah, you know, um, you know. Actually, I didn't pray. Um, my goal was not to make us feel horrible. Okay, um, I know that it, you know. I, you know, I, I I I sense that what many of you might be going through because that's what I went through. It just was a wrestling match between between God and my spirit with the Word. Okay, um, we are all sinners, including myself, and we desperately need the Lord in our lives. Right? You know, real faith involves examining our lives and our heart issues based on God's so Word regularly, brothers. That is why we encourage us all to spend time with the Word daily. You know, that's why I, you know I just encourage you know quiet times are never quiet. It's rich. It's rich. The whole point of Jesus exposing our heart today from Luke 6 is that that we would be led to repentance and would experience the grace and forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 verses 9 says what? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. I'll just pause for this moment. Um... If any one of you would just want to read that verse aloud, or if any one of you just want to read that verse within your heart, read it. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful, God is just, God is a forgiving God. He is God. And he's unlike any one of us. And in the book of Hosea, God is challenging um, the people of Israel. Is You know, you are man and I am God. You know, I will forgive. And his love for Ephraim is mentioned over there, right? God is not only just, but he's kind, tender-hearted, pardoning and forgiving. He hates sin, but does not treat us as our sins deserve. And he willingly gave himself up on the cross for us, right? Philippians two. You know, we sang this song, right, Marmin and the, you know, Reena and um, Ronnie led us to the song. Is that my hope is built on nothing less? What is the foundation of our lives, brothers and sisters? What is the, how does the beam in our life look like? What do your eyes see? Are you blind? Are we blind because of our judgmental attitude, our condemning attitude, our unforgiving attitude and our non-giving attitude? Ungiving attitude. What is the core of the trunk of our life look like? You know It looks as if we are bearing fruit, but is there spiritual rottenness? And are we bearing fruits that are sour and bitter and destroying? Or are we bearing fruits that brings restoration and reconciliation? Just like the same way Jesus bore fruit for us. What is our foundation looking like? Look into our relationships. I really would encourage us to look into our relationships. Even if there are so many of our dear ones who come from first generation believing homes. right? Your parents might not even be believers. Are you willing to show mercy and love to them? Are you willing to pray for them daily and pray that God will lead them how much ever they might treat you? Some of our dear ones might not have great relationships even with your siblings. Restore it. Restore it. You know, you're gone. You know, I'm just saying, you know, you're here today, you're gone tomorrow. You're gone. How many of us have got issues with our parents? How many of us, you know, there's many of our older Dear ones, you have got issues with your children. You know, um, God calls us, God gives us the commands, judge not and condemn not, forgive and give. So Jesus, so church, let's, let's heed to Jesus' words as we leave today and examine the way we live daily. And that song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust this frame That looks sweet, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay, my solid foundation. On Christ, let CBF stand. Even as we think about the church plant, as we think about various things, on Christ, let CBF stand all of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Reading out this portion again, these four little principles. I request all of you to close your eyes as we pray, as we introspect our lives. Brothers and sisters, judge not, and you will not be judged. Brothers and sisters, condemn not and you will not be condemned. Brothers and sisters, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, give, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Brothers and Sister's exhortation, is an act of love. Judgment is an act of pride. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. Your word is timeless. It never expires. We want to thank you that you're a God who is the is holy judge of all humanity, Lord, over nations, over kingdoms, over people, and over lives, Lord. And yet when you saw our sins, lord you you condemned the sin but you never condemned us lord and that's exactly why we were celebrating you today we thank you for reminding us reminding us lord as your disciples were listening to you lord lord they loved the the sweetest parts but these were some of the bitter parts that you were addressing the core issues of one's heart and you're calling us lord name by name lord name by name and those people, all of those things can probably be flooding back into our minds. And you're calling us, judge not, judge not. You're calling us to condemn not. You're calling us, Lord, to forgive and to give. All oh, the measure that you have for us when we see you, I hope you would not be disappointed. We pray that we as a church, we as individuals, Lord, will not be involved in anything, Lord, that looks like a fruit inspector, Lord. That we would look into the core beam of our lives, Lord. We would look into the core foundations of our life. We would look into the core trunk of our lives, Lord. And we pray that we would bear fruit that is not judgmental, that is not condemning, that is forgiving and giving generously, the good measure that we received from you. Thank you for hearing our prayer. We pray as a church, Lord, that we would be a church that would exhort and build each other and even those who do not know you, Lord, because that is the act of love. But we pray that we as a church will not be judgmental because that is against you. That is an act of pride. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for speaking to each one of us, Lord. Be with us as we, as we mouth this over, Lord, and chew this over in our cell groups. They would address the core issues of our heart. Thank you for being a God who is generous, merciful, kind and tender-hearted over sinners like us. In Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.